Women in Leadership brought to you by Heron Code, the management consultancy for what happens next. For more information, you can visit heroncode.com. In this podcast, we will be talking to female leaders of today to inspire the leaders of tomorrow. I think my childhood was very, very different from a lot of people's childhood. But we were never lack of anything because we still did our Disney trips. But there was always a balance. And that balance, I try very hard to give my kids. So for example, I mean, I have very, very dear friends who are footballers mm-hmm. and their wives. So my kids grew up with my friends' kids. Mm-hmm. And I always try to give them a balance. So for example, when before Dubai, I was very involved in the Syrian war efforts. So for every nice play date they had, three other days they are with me in the refugee camps, serving food to the refugees. So it's all about balance. It's all about keeping them grounded as well. I'm very proud of my girls because, again, even my little one, things that impress her are value-driven or purpose-driven. And the older one as well, she is very purpose-driven. Women in Leadership brought to you by Heron Code. Ladies and gents, welcome to the Herring Code Women in Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Nimi Mehta. Today's episode is an exciting one because we have a birthday lady in the house. Uh, Jean Winter, who is a business consultant, philanthropist, angel investor and keynote speaker, also the founder of the UAE inclusive talent agency Touch. Jean, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, happy birthday. And how are you? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, I'm excited. I, I'm thank so excited you. to have this conversation because I cannot wait to find out more about all that you have achieved. As the listeners know, I like to take it back to the very beginning and I see that you grew up in Singapore. Is that where you were born? Born and bred in Singapore. Wow. And then we have moved around the world since then, okay. after marriage. Okay, tell, tell me about that time in Singapore for you. I, I mean, I personally have never visited Singapore. So I'd love to know like the culture and what it was like to, I guess, go through education there as well. Singapore is always home. So we have lived in six countries. We've moved around quite a bit. And especially in this political climate, I think it's very special to me to say that I grew up in a country whereby all religions, class, ethnicity, doesn't matter. Mm. So I grew up with my group of friends who are Eurasians, Indians, Malays, Chinese. We have everyone in our different groups. And that's why we don't understand why it's so difficult for the rest of the world to live in peace. Mm. My memories of life in Singapore is good, Mm -hmm. you know, because we live in a bubble. Mm -hmm. A bubble that our government has created because we take peace for granted. Which is also very sad because when you see the news in Singapore, because I've lived abroad for 18 years Mm -hmm. and... I love my country, but it gets me... That's when I realized that Singaporeans have it so good that they don't appreciate the little things. So if you see that on the news, the biggest news for the week is that our train system is five minutes late. (laughs) Then you go, okay, we've got it quite good. If that is the only thing people can complain about, Mm. you know. I came from a very interesting background such that I didn't realize that we were middle class. My dad came from poverty. Mm. And I think what my brother and myself do today 
and a lot of how much we have built for ourselves is as a result of how my parents have brought us up. Mm. All I knew was, you know, dad used to tell us stories of how tough it was. He didn't make it to college because my grandfather was working three jobs and still couldn't afford to buy him high school uniform. So he was one of the few that had to wear shorts. Mm. Even though he qualified and one of the few to qualify in his time to get into college. So he was very smart. Mm. Long story short, I will, because we don't have time, <laughs> is that he started off as a pineapple plantation clock, mm -hmm. helping with accounts. Mm. And he basically traveled by himself to Singapore. That's where he met my mom. And through grit and hard work, which is, I think, a characteristic that is not common nowadays in the younger generation. They want to get success fast, mm -hmm. be an influencer, or do shortcuts, mm -hmm. you know. And my dad basically retired as VP of Bank of America. But I didn't know that because I, I we pretty much found out we had, we actually are not poor when I was 18. Okay. I was um, waiting for my turn to do um, an interview for my scholarship. My father was with me. He filled up my forms, daddy's girl, mm -hmm. took it out. And I was looking at occupation, salary, because in Singapore, you have to declare everything. Mm -hmm. And I was like, we can't lie about this. And I thought, I was like, is this you? Is this salary for like how many years? And that was the moment where I think it was a very big learning journey for me when he said, does it change anything? Does it change anything from what we have brought you up to believe or what difference does it make whether we have material goods or not? Because till the day my dad retired, he took a bus, a public bus to work. Wow. I never knew he was a VP mm. because I never saw him in a jacket other than weddings and funerals or even very big events. He kept his jacket in his office. He kept his ties in the office. He took a public bus to work and back till the day he retired. And he still does. He's 79 now and he's still taking public transport. Wow. Yeah. So even within that bubble, so to say, that was so sheltered, I guess, from the rest of mm. the world, even within your own bubble, though, there was so much humility and so much being grounded. Yeah. And so then for you, were you a big dreamer when you were younger? Did you have dreams and ambitions of becoming... I don't, whatever it is, I want to be a football player. I want to be a ballerina. What was your mindset? <laughs> I, I still remember wanting to be a doctor. Mm -hmm. But then I realized I was afraid of blood <laughs> very soon. So I'm not ambitious per se, mm. but I'm a dreamer, yes. Mm. But I dream of things that are different. I dream of visiting lands that nobody has been. I dream of visiting, meeting people that I see on National Geographic. I dream of going to places unexplored. So am I a dreamer? Of course I am, but yeah. a different sort of dreamer. Yeah, I love that. Because I guess when we're growing up, there is that pressure to, you know, instantly know what you want to be and who you want to be and then put yourself in a box and then just work your whole life to become that. And I guess what now I feel like the world is moving more towards is dreaming outside of those boxes. Yeah. And I want to 
you know, travel to this place in the world. I want to meet these people. And I think that's an incredible mindset to have. And you moved to Dubai. You're based in Dubai now. And how long ago did you move to Dubai? Seven years ago. Seven years ago. Wow. And so then where did your entrepreneurial spirit come from? Where did this one of ownership come from? I remembered when I started out being an image consultant in Singapore at that time, this was many years ago, Mm. 20 over years ago, there wasn't even a drop-down box. There wasn't even this occupation around the world. Mm. And I've always believed that I didn't fit into any specific box. Mm -hmm. Because when I was finishing my scholarship for the Singapore government, I was a lecturer in college, and my ex-students will tell you, Mm. I never even fitted into that box. I was called into the principal's office more often than the kids themselves, you know. Um, I remembered holding classes outside of the class. And, you know, Singapore is quite rigid. And they were like, what are you doing? Why are you holding your class outside, you know? I was Mm. like, why not? So I've always done things on a whim. Mm. And my brother, my baby brother, he's 40. I'm 47 today, right? Mm -hmm. He's the head. I'm the heart. Mm. And I would do things very impulsively. I'm like my mom. Yeah. <laughs> and I drive my husband crazy. And that's why I guess we we get along. Mm. And I love him because he embraces me for who I am. It took him a while, yeah. many years to get yeah. used to me. But yeah, he has accepted it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess he had no choice either. No. But you know, when it comes to then, is that out, uh, you know, at a whim approach the same approach when it comes to your business and entrepreneurship, really? So actually, all my businesses, when I said I was not driven or ambitious, my career path has always been very accidental. So all my businesses were created out of someone else's need, not my own. And when I created each of this business, it was because Andrew was posted to different countries and I was very bored being a stay-at-home mom and that's not me. Mm. Especially after the kids went to school, I'm like, okay, there's only so many lunches and dinners I can do. (laughs) And I realized that for each business I carved, I went with the flow of things. Mm. So if the opportunity arises, I go, okay, let's make something out of it. So for example, my background, non-culinary, the very fact that I'm in hospitality today was because when we moved to Geneva, we were building a house and there was no place to go at night. Mm-hmm. for dinner. Mm-hmm. It was not like in Asia where you can just walk out and there are street foods. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was in my very dirty clothes and Andrew was in his suit because he was working. I mm-hmm. was at home work- helping the, the, the builders. Mm-hmm. We had nowhere to go for dinner and the only place was a Michelin star restaurant near our house. And I've told this story before. I mean, when we went to dinner, they literally set us mm-hmm. at the end of the restaurant, you know, where the kitchen is, yeah. so that I'll not be seen because I didn't fit into the mold of how people should dress in that restaurant. Mm. And that night I said, I'm going to start something myself. If I'm hungry, I'm dressed like this. I have nowhere to go. Someone would be looking for good food, you know, um, in a casual setting. Mm -hmm. So I started Jean's Private Kitchen then. Yeah. Cooking my home cooked food. And my first clients were... United Nations. Wow. United Nations, the World Trade Organization. So my clients were there because I said, I'll create something that I'm sure everyone else was looking for. Mm. But there was no none of its, this concept. And um, we started with people driving up our driveway. Andrew was like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I was like, providing food. 
cheap accessible food <laughs> so that was 20 years ago but you know what's so interesting about that is it then reflects still back to the story of the humility that you grew up with that yeah. you had everything possibly that you could have growing up and yet you know your dad was still going taking the public transport and that story reflects that upbringing uh, yeah. absolutely so it stayed with you and you know you have such a focus and a passion for serving others mm -hmm. in everything that you do. You mentioned that earlier, saying that every business I've created has come from the need of others. Tell me more about Touch, because this is uh, an inclusive talent agency. It's amazing what it does. It represents celebrity athletes, celebrity chefs, champions, equal opportunities for people of disability in the region mm -hmm. and the world. Mm -hmm. Tell me where this need came about from others. How did it come onto your radar and why did you create it? I grew up with it. Mm. So... When we grow up, play dates are not a thing, okay? I mean, you and a play just go out and play yep. in the courtyard and everyone else is playing. But we grew up, my brother and I, following mom and dad to mission trips. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty much a part of us growing up. I remember being very uncomfortable following my mom to the Karen tribes in Northern Thailand. This was years ago, probably 35 years ago and at that time it took us days just to arrive and then you know different modes of transport to go up to the mountain tribes to live with the mountain tribes there was no there's no such thing as uh, electricity it also means getting out of our comfort zone bathing in the uh, rivers or sleeping in huts and sheds mm. because coming from Singapore no matter what that's luxury compared to what we went through I remembered following my mom to our maid's village and we, it took my mom 20 years, 20 years to gain the trust and love of that entire village wow. because they're very closed. They don't have outside people coming in. I was outside of my comfort zone having to use a toilet on stilts. Mm. I've never seen one, but then... From the age of five or six, I was forced to use one, right? So it's basically stilts, wooden stilts with a hole. And then you do your business in mm -hmm. there. And then you see kids swimming just a few meters down. Another family start fishing for dinner a mm. hundred meters away. So I think my childhood was very, very different from a lot of people's childhood. But we were never lack of anything because we still did our Disney trips. and But there was always a balance. Mm. And that balance, I try very hard to give my kids. Mm. So for example, I mean, I have very, very dear friends who are footballers mm. and their wives. So my kids grew up with my friends' kids. Mm -hmm. And I always try to give them a balance. So for example, when before Dubai, I was very involved in the Syrian war efforts mm -hmm. so for every nice play date they had three other days they are with me in the refugee camps mm. serving food to the refugees so it's all about balance it's all about keeping them grounded as well mm. you know to show them that the real world is not as rosy or not as rosy all the time mm -hmm. there's always balance and especially in Dubai because where we have lived has always been places that were comfortable yeah Italy, Geneva, Hamburg, Singapore, Dubai. It's all the best places. So where do they get their balance? But my kids are pretty grounded. Mm. 
Mm. Very, very grounded. And I guess leading by example is so important, not just as a as a mother, as a boss, as a manager, you know, for all of us to focus now on the next generations that are coming up, you know, we mentioned earlier, they have a different way of thinking. They have a different approach. They very much have the world at the tips of their fingers. What do you think is the approach now for anyone listening who is a leader of the next generation? How do we lead them the right way in the right direction with the way the world is growing, especially in the digital world? Go back to your basics. Go back to your traits that are forgotten. Mm. Kindness, sympathy, just simple things, you know, simple values that are overlooked nowadays. Yeah. So nowadays, what's foc- the, the focus is always materialism. What do you have? How much have you achieved? And I've always told my girls, results are results. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, if you don't grow up to be women of character, mommy will not be proud, mm-hmm. you know? We have always told the girls that... I'll give you an example just two days ago. We are doing a school application for my daughter's uh, uni mm-hmm. application and, and the youngest one, a school application. And one of the questions was, what do you think would make you a good student for this particular school? And she wrote the answers that were expected. Mm-hmm. And I, I read it. She said, mommy, is this okay? I said, it's okay, but it's what everyone else would write. Why don't you tell them the truth? which is the reason why you chose that school. Tell them that you felt that they were welcoming, they were warm. Mm. You visited five schools. Why did you pick that one? Be real in your Mm. answers. So this is where you teach them values on an everyday basis and mold them to know that it's okay to be different. Mm. Because sometimes going back to basics will help you stand out again. Yeah. Because now, it, and I told them, you know, in this world, unfortunately, it's superficial. From friendships, mm-hmm. and this is why I always tell them, be kind to everyone, but have an inner circle. Mm. And that inner circle, love them. Mm. Be loyal, be honest, and never betray their trust. But if you have these values every day, they will grow up with basic values as the core of their life. When they see me stopping the car to offer drinks to gardeners, mm. community gardeners that we don't know, they don't say anything, but they observe, they see. When they see that I found a job for Charles, our roadside sweeper, and now he's working for one of my friends as a painter, they don't say anything, but they see. They just ask, where's Charles now? I say, oh, he's actually working with um, Trezin, uh Studio. Or if they see the way that we treat people with a difference. Same thing as when they go back to Singapore. My little one started work at 13. Mm. I said, you live a life of not... I don't think we treat them with luxury. I'm quite strict to my kids. This is the Asian mom here. (laughs) So I don't pamper them. But when they went back last year, my friends were like, Jean, are you making Tiggy work at 13? I say yes, because she needs to learn that nothing is given. Mm -hmm. This is the life we've built, just like how my dad brought me up, you know. Um, But these are things that you impart to the next generation and it goes down because family values will stick. Mm. If my girls did something wrong, my mom and brother, anyone would jump in to say, hey, that's not how we do things in this family. 
it takes a village. Yeah. And in this case, it takes family. And when we say it takes a village, it means that the people you hang out with should also reflect your ethos and values. Mm-hmm. And by default, everyone wins mm-hmm. because you bring up your kids a certain way. Yeah, absolutely. And that is so true in everything that you do. I mean, especially having girls, because I'm one of two girls as well. And my dad's side has eight girls. My mum's side has seven girls. Girls is all I know. And women supporting women is essential in the essence of everything that I do. How have you navigated that with your girls, but also in your own experiences in, in being so many roles, different, playing so many different roles in your life? The one thing that my family definitely, well, I'm sure this is the same for a lot of families. Again, they see. I've got a lot of male friends and this was just my conversation with someone else an hour ago. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of male friends and female friends. My family, my mom, including my mom, my dad, my brother, my kids, everyone knows everyone else. Mm. So if I make a new friend, it becomes a conversation that night. So everyone knows about that new friend, be it they've met or not. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure tonight they'll hear about the three of you. <laughs> In a world, especially Middle East, I remembered that coming here, I was not sure if I could fit in because I'm quite, ver- you know, I, I verbalize my thoughts a lot. And I remembered my friend saying, just be careful. It's, it's quite um, a male-dominated country mm-hmm. or industry in all the industries that you're in. But somehow... My girls have also seen how UAE has supported equality as well as women-led industries, Mm. which is something that people outside of Middle East don't see often. And they have a very different view of what goes on here. Again, media. Mm -hmm. And this is where I teach my girls. You support values, you support people, you support anyone that's need supporting, be it men or women. Mm. And with that, that is true inclusion where you don't even think of labels. I don't like labels. So mm. my friends know I don't like labels. Mm. A lot of times in a lot of social settings, when people ask me what I do, I say I'm a housewife. Mm-hmm. I don't say what I do. So very few people even know what I do. Mm. Even close friends recently this week said, that's your business. I didn't know that, you know, (laughs) because there's no need for it. I'm just Jean. Mm. So get to know me as Jean. And this is how I want my girls to grow up, being supportive of things they believe in, Mm. not because of the labels, you know. And I'm very proud of my girls because, again, even my little one, things that impress her are value-driven or purpose-driven. And the older one as well, she is very purpose-driven. And I think as young kids growing up, I'm okay with that. Mm. You know, what comes across, Jean, when I'm sitting and talking to you is the level of how sure you are of yourself and the confidence that you hold. Now, I'm a strong believer that having confidence is a skill it's not a personality trait I think that is something that you work on and you work to maintain your confidence level tell me about you from a young age to now Mm. where did you get your confidence from how did you keep your confidence and how do you then instill it in into your girls to believe in themselves and, and be strong women out in a in a big big world you need to meet my mom (laughs) 
You know, they always say that kids walk in the footsteps of um, their parents. Mm. My mom is like the OG. <laughs> she is small, petite. And in Asia, uh, there's this chili, very spicy chili called mm-hmm. the chili patty. Uh-huh. My mom's a chili patty. And then when I grew up, people used to call me a chili patty when I was in my 20s. But growing up, interestingly, I was always the kid that laughs a lot in school. So I was always with, I've always had good friends. In fact, all my girlfriends, thinking back, because I went to my mom's school, believe it or not. My mom's teachers were my teachers. Mm. They were ancient, Mm -hmm. right? And we had the best time. And I think I've just, I've been in a lucky bubbles because all my girlfriends growing up, we are still in the same chat group. I mean, 40 years of friendship Mm. and we still giggle and laugh and we have always supported each other. And that was the environment I grew up in. Mm. So I don't know any different. Mm. But my mom, she's quite scary. She's a scary old lady, but she has the softest heart, right? Mm. But she doesn't like bullying. Mm. Yeah. So I've seen my mom get really feisty if she sees someone else, strangers bullying someone else. Yeah. She would go up mm-hmm. and scold. Men, women, mm-hmm. doesn't matter. But she has always stuck up for what she thought was the right thing to do. Mm. And I remember when I was 15, 14, she always used to say, you are so useless. How can you be my daughter? How is it you are my daughter? <laughs> you know, you shy away from situations because every time I see her act up, I'm like shielding the other party like, whoa. Yeah. You know, um, and she's like, why are you not standing up? For what I said, no, mom, we can do it in a nicer way. Mm. So I have tried to get the same message across in a less feisty manner. Mm. But a lot of people will still think I'm quite harsh in my words, <laughs> I think. But I'm not harsh, I'm direct. Mm. And I am I'm very black and white. Yeah. If it's right, it's right. If it's wrong, it's wrong. Mm. I do not degrade. I'll never say anything that's unkind. Mm. I stick to being objective. Mm-hmm. I stick to reason. And if I say something, I'll back it up. Mm-hmm. So that integrity is a big thing mm. for me. And this is how... Yeah. And it seems you very much uh, wear your heart on your sleeve in all oh, things, yeah. personal and professional, yes. Jean. Yes. Um, for those listening right now, uh, for all the the ups and the downs, the challenges, the wins, the highs, the lows that you have gone through personally and professionally. What is one takeaway? What is one learning about yourself or anything particular that you would like to share with with our listeners that they can take away for their own journey? You make mistakes. Everyone makes mistakes. But do not allow mistakes to get you down. Mm. Be brave enough to say, I've made that mistake, I was wrong. But if you're not wrong, stick by your ideals. Do not bend your ideals to make someone feel better if it goes against every threat or essence or value that you stand for. When I started Touch Dubai, again, this is something very, very different from any other business in UAE. Mm We call it a talent agency, but my drive when I started the business, the reason I started Touch was not to make money. It was actually to support a Paralympian swimmer who wanted to write disability books. Mm -hmm. 
Jessica really inspired me with her story and I really wanted to support her. But I didn't want to just support one person. I wanted to support a bigger community. So I supported her dreams to produce and publish her books. And she in turn then promised and also went on to read her books to all the kids mm-hmm. to teach them. But in that space, what we have created is an organization. And I refuse to call ourselves a charity because the moment you use the word charity, it evokes pity. Mm. And in that space, I wanted a kind, safe space for a community of people who have been forgotten, men or women. Mm. People from poverty, people that have, but we all need a safe space. There is a lot of unheard stories in Dubai. A lot of hidden people in Dubai. I wanted to find these people. We started with two kids, Ruby and Alina. So they are very dear to me. Mm-hmm. And today we have a community of more than 54 families yeah. that we support as a organization. We find whatever opportunities there are, job or otherwise. So it can be social opportunities or it can be job opportunities. Opportunities. Mm. And it becomes a safe space. In creating a business like Touch, where it has never been done before, you make mistakes Mm -hmm. along the way. With each mistake that you make, do I shy away? Do I get broken down? No. Because I accept that I'm human. I look at the mistake and I go, okay, no point crying over it. What is the next step to right the wrong? Mm. Same thing as in relationships. We all make mistakes. I'm 47. I've made mistakes with friends, with family. Mm -hmm. And my brother, pretty much, I told you, he's he's the head. (laughs) You know, and we have deep conversations where I'm still learning from my little brother. Mm -hmm. Last month was a tough month for the family because my father was sick. So at nights, we talk late into the nights. And he still tells me, Je, Je means big sister. Mm -hmm. He says, Je, you know relationships... Uh, it cannot fit into one mold. And he has given very deep advice that even I'm still learning now. He says, don't be afraid to acknowledge fault, change, because that's only when you move forward. So lessons, that is a most recent lesson which everyone can learn from. Mm. And it goes beyond you know, religion, class, industry, whatever you're doing. And be humble and kind in everything you do. Mm. So even in adapting to change, righting the wrongs, be kind. Mm. If the world was a kinder place in addressing the wrongs, people would talk. We wouldn't have wars today. Mm. People will not be dying because people don't sit down and talk anymore. It's all about how I can get back and how I can hurt you more. Mm. It's not very nice. It's not a nice world. Mm -hmm. And this is why I think I'm swimming against the tide a little bit, Mm. you know, in in my attempt to spread inspiration and kindness through X. I was talking to Emily just now and she said, oh, how has your day been? I said, really nice because I received, you know, your birthday is a day of celebration. But what matters to me is that you receive hundreds and hundreds of messages from around the world. Mm -hmm. It means that people take that time to say, hey, I'm thinking of you right now Mm -hmm. for this second. Mm -hmm. 
I had videos of the kids sending me messages. You know, they they don't know anything about the best angle and all, but they send you messages from the heart, mm. and those messages make me the happiest. Yeah, you know, mm. I don't need fancy things. I'm actually a very simple person to please. Yeah. I love flowers. I love animals. I love people that show that they've put in a little bit of effort. Mm. So if you give me a branded, whatever diamonds mm-hmm. versus something that was handmade and that took time, mm. that matters to me a lot more. Yeah, Jean, that is so beautiful, and I think that's just the most wonderful way for us to to end this episode because I feel so full. After speaking with you, and I know that our listeners uh, will feel the same. I want to thank you so much for your time, for choosing to spend part of your birthday with us here today. Wishing you a very, very blessed birthday and a wonderful year thank ahead. You so thank much. you again for your time. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Women in Leadership brought to you by Heron Code.